What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kind of Neat. Thank you for tuning in again, as always. First things first, let's get the social media out of the way. You can follow me on Twitter, at It's Intuition. You can follow my man behind the boards, Ben Shim, making the shit sound buttery, at I Am Database, based with two S's. You can follow us both on Instagram under the same names. We're out here on them streets slanging them filters. Feel me? I just had my fucking biggest Instagram picture of all time on Thanksgiving Day. It got like 600 likes, and it's just a picture of me looking all fucking chubby at the table with two turkeys behind me. I said... Eat well and give thanks, my friends. So I don't know how I'm going to top that. I'm going to have to like take my pants off in the next picture to get fucking 700 likes. Who knows? That might break the internet, you know? Uh, you can follow us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat, youtube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you can see our guest today, Gavlin, perform her song Search and Destroy. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kind of Neat, and everything wrapped up in a pretty package on kindaneat.net. Please make sure that you guys are subscribing to us on iTunes. We know you're listening. We get great responses from you, and we appreciate it. We see our, our YouTube subscribership growing, and we see our Twitter subscribership growing. Just make sure that you're downloading that podcast app on your iPhone or your iPad or wherever you're listening and fucking subscribing and leaving comments and rating us five stars. Tell us how fucking funny that Ben is. You know, Ben is a man of few words, but he's hilarious. Just talk about it. Just make up stories about how funny Ben is because you guys don't know because he never talks. He's the magic man behind the boards. Anyways, the other week I reached out and I said, hey, man, you guys got questions. You got advice that you need, et cetera, et cetera. Send me questions. I'm going to answer them. I love doing that shit. So I'm going to start it easy. I got a bunch of questions, but I'm going to start a question that a lot of people ask me and that I have to discuss way too much in real life. The question goes like this. What's it like at North Pole? Did you grow up there and would you move back? So first of all, I was raised in North Pole, Alaska. That is where my house is. That's where my family's address still is, right? North Pole, Alaska. It's not technically the North Pole. It is right outside of Fairbanks. It is about 25 miles perhaps outside of Fairbanks, Alaska, which is in the interior of Alaska. There has been an insurgence uh, or a resurgence perhaps of TV shows about Alaska. There's a ton of reality TV shows about Alaska. I don't have cable. The day that I got fired three years ago or laid off, whatever you want to call it, I canceled my cable because I was like, all right, time to get on hustle mode. No TV watching. So I don't know what shows are out there. I know there's Alaska State Troopers. I think my brother's been on that show with his face blurred out supposedly because some of his friends were fishing without a license or something. I know that there are some dating shows about Alaska and I know there are a lot of shows about like surviving Alaska where they show these people living out in what we call the bush. The bush is like basically anybody that doesn't live in the two main cities, which are Fairbanks and Anchorage. And so I don't know what it's like to live in the bush. I'm city folk. Like we had running water, we had electricity, we had heat. If I wanted fish, we would go to a Safeway. You know, we wouldn't go ice fishing like we didn't live off moose meat. We ate hamburgers. Uh, we had a McDonald's and it was a big deal. Like when we got a Taco Bell, my sophomore year of high school, we got a Taco Bell in North Pole, which was a pretty big deal. And there was a line around the corner. But I mean, all in all, I lived a pretty normal life. So when people go, oh, man, I've been watching these shows about Alaska. I can't believe like that used to live that way. It's so crazy. Like, how did you survive those winters? And I know that they're talking about these shows that concentrate on people living a subsistence lifestyle where they do a bunch of trapping during the summer and the early winter months. And then they like have to sell all their furs and do fishing and freeze it all and, and, 
put it up high for bears and so the bears don't get it, et cetera, et cetera. But like, that's not how we lived. And asking me about that lifestyle is the equivalent of somebody from Fairbanks going, oh man, you live in Los Angeles now? Like, dude, what are the Kardashians like in real life? I have no fucking idea. Or like, you know, oh, what are, what's it like to be an, uh, a real housewife of Orange County? Like, I don't know. That's not my lifestyle. That's not how I live. The top five questions that I always get about Alaska is, is it cold? That's number one. Number two, have you seen the Northern Lights? Number three, is it dark all the time during the winter? Is it light all the time, all the time during the summer? Number four, would you guys see bears or moose? And number five is, have you ever seen a penguin? Now, first, number five, penguins live in the South Pole. There are no penguins in Alaska. <laughs> I've never seen a fucking penguin, right? Number four, moose. Yes, I see them all the time. Bears, very rarely would I ever see a bear. I think I actually only saw a wild bear myself in like Denali doing some tourist shit when I first moved there, like a grizzly bear hundreds of yards away. Like we don't ever see bears in our backyard. Occasionally we would see bear shit. Moose, we see them all the time. There was one time when I was home two summers ago uh, where I was driving from my brother's house back to my mom's house and I saw six moose in a 10 minute drive. I shit you not. I saw six fucking moose. It was crazy. And moose kind of live in this, uh, the radius of a circle. They kind of travel in the same circle all year and they end up in the same spot around the same time. And so for the longest time, we had this really big cow moose who would come with a new, you know, calf every couple of years. And she would always stay in our backyard right around Christmas time and make our dogs freak out. So like we would see moose a lot. We're around moose a lot. The dark and light thing. Yes, that is real. It is dark during the winter. Like the average day would be like, wake up at eight o'clock in the morning. It's dark. Or I mean, wake up for school. I'm sorry. At like around seven, uh, it's dark. Get to school at like eight, eight thirty. It's still dark. You go out for lunch at noon. The sun is kind of up, but it's at the middle of the sky. Like it, it's, it's where it would look like if it was three o'clock in California and it's out and, and then you go back in from lunch and you start class again. And by the time you get out at two 30, it's pitch black again. The shortest day up there is about two and a half hours. I think during the summer. Yes, it is light all the time. The, the days are about, you know, 23 hours. The sun just kind of dips below the horizon and comes right back up. And, uh, so yeah, that's a real thing. And the breakdown of that is probably about like seven months of like pretty much winter. And then five months of like spring, summer, fall, they come like really fast. There's no real separation between those three seasons. They're just kind of like here today, gone tomorrow. Northern Lights. Yes. My um, hometown is one of the best places in the world to see the Northern Lights. 50 miles outside of my town, there's a place called Chena Hot Springs. And that's one of the best places to see the Northern Lights in the world because there's no streetlights around for 50 miles. It gets really fucking cold and there's some hot springs. So you can like sit in them in the middle of the winter and the, the water will be super warm and nice, but it's like negative 20 outside. And you can just stare up and look at the Northern Lights and it's crazy. Uh, there's no real way to describe them. Like they dance around and they do crazy shit and they're awesome. And uh, number one, is it cold? Yes, it's cold. But surprisingly, my hometown, North Pole, which is outside of Fairbanks, Fairbanks is the widest temperature variance of any inhabited city in the whole world, meaning it goes from like negative 60 all the way to like 90 above. And so 
people are very surprised, but in the summers, it's really nice up there. It's very like temperate climate. It's usually about in the seventies, most of the time during the summer, but it does get hot. It gets into the eighties and nineties. And when it's 90 in Alaska, God, man, it feels like you're in death Valley. Like it feels hotter for some reason, like you're closer to the sun or something, but when it's cold, yeah, it's really fucking cold. And sometimes we go through these things called deep freezes where, uh, if it's negative 40 or colder for 10 days or longer, that's a deep freeze. And when that happens, that's bad because your pipes can freeze. And then when it thaws out, your basement will flood. It's all bad. Like, like humans aren't supposed to live in that kind of weather. It fucking sucks. The coldest I've ever been in was negative 72 when I was in second grade. They didn't cancel school that day. You had the option of whether or not you wanted to go. But my mom was a teacher, so I had to go to school still. We, like, we didn't have the option to stay home. She's like, nah, if I got to go to work, you got to go to school. Sorry. And when it's that cold, like... You know, people always ask me like, oh, you're from Alaska. Shouldn't you be used to this weather? Because I'll be like, man, it's fucking cold out. When it gets 50 degrees in California, I'm like, man, it's freezing. I start shivering and shit. People are like, shouldn't you be climatized? Like, shouldn't you be used to this? You're from Alaska. And I'm like, first off, I've lived in California for 12 years now. Like, I packed up my shit and moved when I was 19, the first chance that I had. And I've been here ever since. So to answer that question of would I ever move back, unless there was some sort of dire circumstance... I probably would not move back. But as far as like being climatized, being used to the cold, when it's that fucking cold, when it's negative 60, when it's negative 70, when it's fucking even negative 30, like you're not outside, you're inside, you don't go outside. Like if you put on snow pants and a face mask and a hat and a parka and mittens and bunny boots and all that shit, it still feels cold. So like you don't want to be outside when it's that cold. So it's not like you ever get used to fucking being in the cold like it sucks. So anyway, those are my top five questions that I always get asked about Alaska and living in North Pole. And like, yeah, North Pole, it's a weird little town. They changed the name in the 50s, I think, to North Pole in order to try and attract um, some factories, like toy factories and stuff. So that when Christmas came around, it could look like it was made in North Pole and like Santa made it, but it didn't work out. So it's still just kind of like this random suburb of Fairbanks and it never really helped the economy. So now it's like a tourist trap where there's everything is like the Santa Claus house and like everything there is like Christmas themed year round. I think there's like uh, Rudolph's RV park and like laundromats named after Christmas shit, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's my explosion about Alaska. And really, I just wanted to say, because I, I like that thing about like uh, comparing reality TV shows to the Kardashians and it was too long to tweet. And so I wanted to say that. And that was the whole point of this. So that's my first question that I'm going to respond to. And I'm going to keep doing it because I got about 20 more that I'm going to respond to uh, over the upcoming weeks. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that rant. And that's a little bit about my history. And now without further ado, we're going to get into my conversation with Gavlin who is an artist that has come up from the depths of the valley. She's out there. She's been fucking with my homies from uh, Broken Complex for a long time. Shout out to DJ Hoppa. That's my dude. You know, she's in kind of a scene out there in the valley that is different than LA. She mentions it during the podcast that everything kind of feels a couple years behind in the valley sometimes. And a lot of the rappers that come from the valley are very kind of like backpackery and they're about that spitting that real shit, you know, and she comes from that and, uh, things have been working out for her where she's made some smart decisions video wise some good things have happened and she's been blowing up in europe and she gets to go over there and tour for three months at a time to sold out shows and uh you know i think that's fucking awesome and so i wanted to have her on to talk about that and uh that's what we did so without further ado let's get right into the show with gavlin
Yeah, what's up? You just moved to L.A. Yeah, I just moved to L.A. about a month ago from the San Fernando Valley. From the Valley, whereupon your history includes uh, working with some of my friends from Broken Complex, right? Yeah. How long have you known those guys? Lee is a buddy of mine. We have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Hoppa. Yeah. Shout outs. Um, I've known Hoppa for a minute. We've both grew up in the Valley, so I've been going to like his like regular party since I was like 16. Yeah, because you're mad younger than him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So what, you used to like sneak into his parties or something? No, there were regular house parties or like in the neighborhood. Oh. Yeah. Because I used to play shows with Hoppa. Like he would have me down. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but Hoppa's like mad stand-up business dude. So it's yeah. like, you know, when other promoters were inviting people to play shows and being like, well, can you just do it on like the strength because you're the homie? It's like he would be like, nah, hey, I know what it takes to get to the Valley. So here, come play and I'll give you 200 bucks. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Nice. Uh, yeah, because like he's a good guy that pays people, which is tight. And yeah. so we used to do those at bars. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. so, and I would imagine as a 16-year-old right. at a bar, you would have had to sneak <laughs> in, which is what I was assuming you were talking about. No, no, just regular house parties. So you guys do house parties. That's tight. So yeah. you're like a 16-year-old kid at house parties, like watching people rock the mic. And is that where you caught the bug? Uh, yeah, to, like, I guess to, so. To rip it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're cracking me up. Are you born and bred in the Valley? Yeah. So family has just been in the Valley and that's where you were at. Yep. What part were you born in? And Van Nuys. And so you went to elementary school there and everything? No, I went to elementary school in Reseda. In Reseda. Yeah. That's where um, the Karate Kid went, right? I have no idea. Yeah, you're too young for that movie. Yeah, come on, come on. The Karate Kid, when... when I when mean, the, I've seen the movie. When the movie starts, he goes to Reseda. Like, that's where that's oh. where his family relocates to when they're in a shitty apartment. Right, right. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Your folks are from California as well? Mm -hmm. Well, my dad's from Argentina and my mom's from California. When did your dad end up in the States? Uh, when he was like 17. For what? For work? Uh, no, for, uh, school. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> yeah. you like graduated high school and came up here for college or something? No, he came out here during high school. During he, high school? Yeah, he went to Polytechnic High. Oh, that's where Snoop went, right? Long Beach? Uh, you know, I'm too young for that. <laughs> get out. <laughs> that can't be a continuous callback joke or this is going to get too much. Right. So what, his parents moved out here too then? Right. So everybody immigrated. So your grandparents are out here? Uh, yes. Tight. And is your mom, what, is she white? Uh, yeah, she's Ish. part Spanish and white. But she would identify as Caucasian? Yes. So you're kind of like half Argentinian? Yes. Yeah, but is that the side of the family that you're around most? Yeah, I was raised with Argentinian family. Yeah. What's that like? It was cool, you know, a lot of food yeah. and uh, yelling. Yelling? Yeah. Boiling blood? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, what was life in the valley like as a kid, looking back? I know that was only a few um, years ago. Yeah, it was probably like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, shit, I mean, regular, you know, just fucking going to school, nothing too crazy. Yeah, what were you into as a kid? I don't know, I guess uh, I was into a lot of, like, I don't know, I, when I was a kid, I didn't listen to too much hip-hop till like, probably, like, I don't know, like, 17, 18. Well, so put it in perspective, what were you into, like, Britney Spears and shit? Because there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Oh, no, I know, I mean, I love the Spice Girls. Hey, Spice Girls. Spice are, Girls are the shit. Yeah. I also love Destiny's Child. Yeah, Destiny's Child is tight, <laughs> I still remember the first time I saw a Spice Girls video, I was like, what is this? It seemed like legal pornography well, on, on you MTV. Know, don't you talk shit about the Spice Girls, though. Yeah, so which one were you? Uh, sometimes I was sporty, or sometimes I was posh. Yeah? Or just like both, a combination like, of both? meshed together, you, you know? Were, just, you were... They had a baby, and then it was me. Yeah, you were sposh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you're a little girl in the valley down with the Spice Girls. Were you doing, did you have any other interesting hobbies? 
Did you do beauty pageants or anything? No. What oh, the that, fuck? I don't know. I was waiting for like a, a girl to come on here and be like, yeah, I used to be in beauty pageants. <laughs> yeah, right. That shit would be so tight. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Just regular shit. I was kind of a bad kid. I just didn't, uh, I don't know. I just partied a lot. Okay. So when did you start partying? Um, damn, yeah. So a lot of personal questions that's, here. That's what I do. <laughs> my goal is to make my guests cry. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. So, um, shit, I don't know. I guess I would have to say like 16, 15. Oh, so just re- that's still recently. Let's, yeah, go, let's yeah. go farther back. I mean, were you a bad, <laughs> were you a bad kid in elementary school? Like, did you pay attention in school? Were you I paid attention it? in elementary. Yeah. yeah. So here's my thing. You obviously utilize your language skills in your music because you rap. So you have to have a good vocabulary and, mm-hmm. and you know, a certain understanding of the English language. So were you like early to read? Was it early on getting recognized? Like, Oh, this girl has a gift for the language. Hell yeah. They're like, yo, she's going to be a rapper. <laughs> were, were you like GT or anything? Give magnet? No, I no? was pretty retarded. You were retarded. Were you late to read? Uh, No. You were just average. I just learned how to read like two days ago. I'm Get pretty young. Come out. on. Get out. You have a reading pr- reading app on your iPhone. That's <laughs> yeah. like, you press a word and it sounds it out for you. Exactly. Yeah. All right, fine. Let's just go straight to when you're 16 then. So <laughs> what happens when you're 16? Why do you start partying? Um, you know, daddy wasn't there. Is that real? Mama wasn't there. No, I'm kidding. I mean, my folks are there. I mean, are my your mom folks did. still together? No. When did they divorce? Uh, when I was like eight. When you were eight? Yeah. Who did you go with, mom or dad? I lived with my mom for a while, and then I some shit happened with that, and I started living with my dad. Can we talk about the shit that happened? No. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you're, you're eight, your folks split, you're living with mom. Yeah. And do they stay in the same city or vicinity? Yeah. But did you get to, like, see... Did your folks have beef? Were they cool with each other? Uh, I mean, they're they're civil with each other, but they don't really give a shit about each other. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're not, like, trying to kick it on holidays. No, nah, they shit. ain't trying to chill. Yeah, yeah. There's beef, dog. Word. I feel that. <laughs> so, when you're living with mom, were you just having to visit dad, like, on the weekends or something? Or how did yeah. that work? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yep. How did that affect you as an eight-year-old? Uh, it didn't really affect me too much. You got brothers and sisters? Yeah. Did any of them handle it poorly? Uh... Yeah, I guess by just like, uh, I don't know, my brother started to, you know, like jumping into gains and shit and my sister was just the only one taking care of me. So yeah, I he, guess so. So brother's older? Yeah, I have like four brothers and two sisters. Whoa, you got, so there's six of you, seven of you guys? Just about. Is it seven or it's, is it it's six? It's just about. Just about seven. Yep. Okay, my math is, <laughs> are you the youngest? Um, second to youngest. You're the second to youngest, so mm-hmm. you're the baby. So all of the older brothers and sisters were like probably in their teens when your folks split then yeah mm-hmm. so you say one of your brothers got into the gangs or was it multiple of them yeah, just one just one yeah what's that like um shit i mean it was uh difficult yeah <laughs> yeah it was, was a bit he, difficult was he getting in and out of jail or anything like that um you know what fortunate enough he didn't get to jail so much but yeah. he uh he did get in a lot of trouble yeah yeah when you're argentinian what kind of gang do you join <laughs> I don't know, man. I was like eight. Is it like a Mexican gang or a black gang? Oh, or... it's some graffiti shit. Oh, it's tag banging shit. Yeah, yeah. Word, word. Because, well, you know, your music, some of it can lean towards like the elements sounding type stuff. So you never know. Which I... element are we talking here? Like one of the five, the fifth, of course, being interpretive dance. No, but there's like 10. Are there 10 elements? Yes. Break down the 10, <laughs> the ten elements of hip hop. No, if you don't know the elements, then you can't hear the elements. The elements that I know... Rap is one of them, yeah. right? Breakdancing <laughs> is one of them. Graffiti yep. is one of them. 
and DJing is one of them, right? Those are Damn. the f- those are the four elements that I know. Yeah. There's only one that I really care about. Oh, which one's that? Breakdancing? Rap. <laughs> I care about rap. <laughs> yeah. So when you said there's ten, I thought maybe there were some new ones that like uh the hip hop gods had decided upon. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So you never partook in graffiti stuff? No, I mean like I do art, but I've never I've never been like graffiti artist. What kind of art do you do? Um, like freestyle stuff, I guess, but I do paint a lot of cartoon characters and, um, stuff like that. So yeah, you're in high school and you start rebelling. Yeah. Who did you start running with? Was it a bunch of hip hop kids? Uh, no, just a bunch of my homegirls doing hood rat things. Really? Yeah. What kind of shit were they into? Uh, partying. Yeah. Drinking. Yeah. And stuff like that. Things you shouldn't be doing at 16. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I guess uh, in high school, just fucking went to a lot of high school parties. You mean smoke a lot of weed, get drunk, and uh, come home and get yelled at. And probably like there was this one time where I was 16 and I was hanging out at my friend's house across the street and I came back home at like three in the morning. Mm. And um, I went to the bathroom and I fucking puked everywhere. And, at your house? Yeah. This is that dad's house? Yeah. Ugh. And um, I threw up and I grabbed the towel. I wiped up all my puke. And because I was a drunk 16-year-old, I put the towel back on the rack. Oh, God. So um, I'm walking away like, yeah, I ain't gonna get caught. Shit. And then fucking um, my stepmom comes and watches her face with my puke towel. Oh. I was like, wah, wah, wah. That is horrendous. Yeah. And so what was the punishment like for something like that? Uh, I just got yelled at and... I guess uh, I got grounded. <laughs> huh. That is disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is something that I learned about you in the car. You've never driven. Yeah. Because I, I said, oh, I'm going to run into this apartment real quick. If anybody comes to give you a ticket or give the car a ticket, will you just drive the car on the block? And you said, I don't know how to drive. I've never driven. Yeah. Why? Why don't you know how to drive? Um, Honestly, because I've been super traumatized by car accidents. When was your first car accident? Uh, when I was like 13. What happened? I was on Cinco de Mayo, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, my aunt was driving, and we got hit pretty bad on the side. Oh, you got T-boned? Yeah. And then after that... Were you in the passenger You're in the passenger seat? I was in the back seat. You're in the back seat? How many yeah. people were in the car? Four. And so did anybody get seriously hurt? The driver did. Eek. So it hit the driver's side? Yeah. So your aunt got fucked up? Yeah. What happened? I think the airbag, like, burned her flesh. Ooh. And um, her arm was broken. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had to see all that as a 13 year old. Yeah. That was the first one. Were there more after that? Yeah. Um, I got into another really, really, really bad accident when I was 17. And uh, the driver was kind of drunk uh-huh. and he crashed into seven cars. Ooh. And like, like literally, like he pulled out the, ba- he was pulling out the parking lot, hit somebody, then try to turn around, hit somebody, and then trying to get out and hit somebody. Ugh. And then fucking, when he finally got out of the fucking parking lot, three cars later, he hit a big ass U-Haul truck. Oh jeez! And the airbag or whatever thing blew up and it burned the side of my face. Oh, so you were in the car for that? Yeah. This was your friend that was drunk driving. Yes, dude. Do you still hang out with that person? No. Thank God. <laughs> that is terrible. How how old were you when that happened? 17. 17. Yeah. Man, so yeah, you you were out drinking with the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you have a moment where you like kind of went, oh, wait, I'm fucking up and like slowed down with all that? Yeah, definitely. What was that moment? Um, Pretty much when I looked in the mirror and saw the burns on the side of my face. Oh, so that was the, that was the catalyst to like chill out with the party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was your friend 17 as well? Uh, no, he was 19. Ugh. Older dudes, man, I'll tell you. They make, 
Making these young girls make bad decisions. Saying though. Yeah, that's terrible. What were you guys, what was the mission? Like, what were you guys doing? We were at a carnival in Reseda. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and so you decided to, like, get fucked up beforehand, and then he just... Well, I was actually my ex-boyfriend that was driving me, and he happened to see, like, another ex there, and he got all pissed, and uh. that happened. So I think it was kind of intentional. He was intentionally hitting all these other cars? <laughs> yeah, I think so. What was he driving? Uh, a Mustang. And he just didn't give a fuck about his Mustang. That's no. crazy. Yeah. So around that time, like, is this when you stopped uh, listening to the Spice Girls and started getting into rap? Uh, I still listen to the Spice Girls. Yeah. And I still listen to Destiny's Child. Yeah. And Aaliyah. Yeah, Aaliyah is super tight. Yeah. I wanted to marry her. Uh, rest in peace, Aaliyah. Me too. Rest in peace, Aaliyah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me about your musical journey. You started listening to the Spice Girls as a child. And then and then tell me about the evolution of your musical tastes. I guess... Uh, my dad, he listened to a lot of, like, old school, like, funk stuff, like, Parliament and shit like that. Yeah. And my mom listened to a lot of rock and roll. Like what? Like, uh, I don't know. She likes, like, corny-ass glam rock. Like, even though, I mean, I respect it and like it. Like, Van Halen or, like, I knew ACDC. you were going to say Van Halen and how dare you, Diamond Dave. Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not hating on Diamond it, Diamond okay? Dave is not corny. <laughs> <laughs> Some God of damn it, it is. Some of it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> But I mean, the kind of rock and roll I listen to, like, I like the Pixies, Radiohead, and I like the Pixies Arctic too. Monkeys, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, when did you start discovering bands like that? Um, as a kid, growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a delicate mixture of the, the Spice Girls and Radiohead? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Let's say, what's your favorite Radiohead album? Uh, shit, I can't, I can't say, like, what's my favorite album, mm. but yeah. Mm. I mean, I've... I know, like, I never bought an album, but these are just CDs I stole from my sister, yeah, like, a yeah. bunch of mixes and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when did you start, like, writing raps or poetry, or what What was your, what was your okay. journey? <laughs> I started doing that around, like, 16, just, like, for fun. Uh-huh. Like, my friends after high school were just rapping and shit, and just bullshitting, so... I was just, it dude friends or girlfriends? Dudes. Yeah. And actually, you know, some of my girlfriends did it too. Yeah, yeah. But it was like totally, we were just all really stoned and just bullshitting. And um, yeah, and then after that, I just kept doing just it. Just like freestyling? Or yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Like and, you'd be stoned and, and rapping. Exactly. That's the path. Yeah. That's how, that's how you get into these things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly how that happened. And well, did, you I, have a, did you have a penchant for it compared to your other friends? Like were you better at it than them? Uh, yeah, I guess. Better than the dudes? Fuck yeah. <laughs> the reason I asked that is like, when you started, were there some of the dudes in the circle going like, whoa, like, you're pretty good at this. Maybe you should pursue this. Uh, yeah. 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 Did you have like a mentor that was kind of like the one telling you? No, I just kind of, after that, I just kind of enjoyed it and I kept doing it and I started doing like open mics and shit like that and then I actually started go out more and like did my first show at the Knitting Factory. Like what open mics were you doing in the valley? I did a bunch in North Hollywood. Yeah. Because they have like a bunch of like you know NoHo Arts District and shit so they have like a bunch of open mic spots over there. One of the cafes I went to was Cafe Amsterdam. And you're like a 16 year old doing this? Yes. What was the age group of the other people at the open mics? They were a lot older than me. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird because they were like book writers there and shit and then like people that go there all the fucking time but like yeah. comedians and stuff too uh no it was mainly like spoken word shit yeah. yeah and so were you putting on beats and rapping or were you doing spoken word stuff um i was just like writing i mean just doing my shit acapella yeah were you yeah. reading off of paper or did you have it memorized i had it memorized tight are you holding a mic like to your mouth or is it like a mic on a mic stand like were you a- learning mic control 
at that time, uh, no, it was just on a mic stand. Yeah. But I started to learn mic control when I did my first show at the Nitty Factory. Who put you on that show? Um, an old friend named Destruct. Oh, Destruct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. him. Yeah, Destruct kind of, we were hanging out a lot in the beginning, and he shot me like a lot of beats, like original beats and stuff like that. So he definitely helped me out with a lot so of stuff. So that, that must have been in what, like 08, 07, 08? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's when the Knitting Factory... That's like probably the last years of the new mm -hmm. factory. You closed in like oh nine or something. Yeah, yeah. Who did you play with that day? That day it was uh, Destruct, Kosha Dills, uh, Rebels to the Grain, and Syra. Oh really? Yeah. Was Syra headlining? I think so. Yeah. Dude, I think I was at that show. Which room was it in? In the new factory? It was at the downstairs one. It was just like the smaller room. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I interviewed Syrah at that show for like LA Stereo TV or something. Like yeah. That. Oh, no, no, never mind. Because that was a show that me and Verbs played oh, okay. uh, with. Anyways. Yeah. So we come from the same underground circles. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, how many songs did you have prepared at that time for that show? Well, it was actually my first show ever. So yeah. I just kind of got put on and I just did a song. You just did one song. Mm -hmm. How was it? What was the reaction like? What did it feel like? The reaction was cool. I was like really, really fucking nervous because yeah. like all these other people were like really good at rapping and stuff but yeah it was cool but my mic control is super fucked up <laughs> yeah. yeah what was the song called <laughs> relentless do you still perform it yes yeah yeah that's tight yeah why was your mic control fucked up Just explain what was... mic control is to people i think a lot of people might not even know what that is um my opinion of mic control is holding the obviously holding the mic right and not having your hand covering the fucking mic yeah don't and, cup it yeah exactly don't and, hold it too far from your face <laughs> exactly but also don't have it inside your mouth right yeah that's exactly what it is yeah so were you shouting that first show too yeah and i was kind of like moving the microphone everywhere yeah. like and you know some parts i like took it away and i don't even know why the fuck i did that but yeah, yeah. like you, you put it down thinking that somebody's gonna complete your lyric <laughs> for you or something <laughs> No, I just kind of like moved it away like a little bit too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. That shit happens. What have you learned about mic control since then? Now that you're a, a road warrior, <laughs> um, I learned a lot. Pretty much, how to project and also like enhance it, like breath control and stuff like that. Yeah. For those of you listening that don't know, Gavlin is a bit of a road warrior now. Like you tour quite a bit. Uh, you're kind of big in Europe. And so you do a lot of festival dates out there and stuff, which is a very important part of European touring. Festivals are arguably more popular there than they are here, I think. Right. When you're playing big shows like that, are you using like in-ear monitors and stuff like that? No, I just regular microphones. Yeah. 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 So like after your first show, what happened? Did, it, did the passion grow even stronger all of a sudden? Yeah, definitely. And then what? And I just kept grinding from there. I just started to do more shows and started writing more rappy raps. Yeah. And uh, yeah, was, that the, was Relentless the only song you had at that time? Uh, no, I had about like three more songs. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you first started recording them songs, where were you recording at? Uh, EQs. Where's that? EQ. That's in Highland Park. Is that a studio or is that a person? Person. Oh, okay. My producer, I call him EQ too. His, name, <laughs> his name's really? e Equilibrium. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah. How did you meet him? I met him through the same shit, through the scene and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up doing the same show and stuff. And uh, he was the only person I knew that knew how to engineer decent. And, I mean, he engineers pretty good. And, uh, yeah, he, like, helped me get more comfortable in the studio because the first time I recorded with him, like, it was retarded. Like, it just kept fucking up and shit. And I was really, really nervous. So doing, like, a million takes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and plus, you know, when you hear yourself for the first time on the microphone, it's like, ugh, what the fuck? Yeah, it sounds like listening to your voice on an answering machine. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't sound like that, do I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it takes a while to get used yeah, to it does. being in a studio 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, for certain. Did he already have a lot of experience recording other people and like had a lot of good advice for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely helped me out a lot. He definitely helped me spark my creative juices. Yeah, yeah, that's tight. Mm-hmm. Um, do you sing too? No, I'm actually, I'm practicing at the moment, but um, I don't sing yet. Yeah, well, when you say practicing, what, do you have like a vocal coach? No, I mean, I'm just doing my own little thug thizzle. Just sing- singing Tom York in the shower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I do, too, to practice. (laughs) When you start recording um, the songs with EQ at the time, did you, like, already have a plan in your head about, like, this is going to be for an EP or an album or something like that? Uh, Not so much. I was just trying to get familiar with recording and, you know, just rapping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, like, probably, like, a few shows later, like, towards, like, the second year, Mm -hmm. that's when I started planning an album. Mm. A lot of the songs from those sessions, did they ever see the light of day or did a lot of them get scrapped yeah. as just like learning processes? I mean, or? they're up. They're all up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tight. So it was rapping and playing shows for two years before you put a record out? Mm, about a year. About a year. What was the first one called? The first one was called uh, From the Art and the second one is Habit That You Blame. But it's funny because Habit That You Blame came out first, yeah. but then I just kind of slept on it. And then... Um, a few years later, when uh, Broken Complex helped me put out my first album, then they re-released Habit That You Blame after. Oh, so Habit That You Blame was the first one that you recorded? Yeah. I just put it on Bandcamp and forgot about oh, it. Oh, and forgot about it, and then yeah. they re-released it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. When you put out From The Art, like, how did you put that out? Um, it's funny, because I had that album recorded and done, mastered and everything for, like, three years. Three I, years? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just sitting on it, because... It was broke. I didn't have any money, and I just didn't know, like, the first thing to putting it out. And then um, that's when I linked up with Hoppa and Broken Complex, and they helped me out, and they uh, put it out for me. Yeah. Yeah. When you're sitting on it for three years, why not just put it, like, a link on Facebook or MySpace or whatever was popular at the no time? No computer at home. No computer. So are you very computer illiterate? No. I'm getting better, <laughs> but I'm not, like, that bad. You're not super internet? Uh, getting there. Which is crazy because like your shit does pretty good on the on the internet. Well, I'm getting better. I'm learning, you know, strategies and stuff like that of how to like promote myself. And yeah. Stuff. So yeah. Because here's the thing: is that even though I had seen your name around on flyers and stuff of like shows around the area, not necessarily that I that I was going to, but I would just see them on the internet. Then all of a sudden it was like, boom, here's this like million view video. And I was like, whoa, like where, did, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Right. So like, and I was like, oh, she must be good at the internet. But now that I'm hearing that you didn't even have a computer, how did that happen? You know, the song that got a good amount of views, that's, I've been performing that song and it's been out since like 08. Yeah. So, and also since, you know, the MySpace playlist and shit like that. So you used to have the, you used to have that up on the MySpace page. Yeah. When MySpace yeah. was cracking, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And I had my own little thing going on on MySpace. Like I like networked with a lot of people, especially from Europe. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, so that shit was going well. And I guess just mainly the main reason why it popped up so good is because I already kind of built, like, my own little thing going on. Yeah. And then um, I linked up with uh, uh, Organized Threat, and Organized Threat had their own, uh, uh, like, a good amount of, like, their own fan base. Subscribers yeah, subscribers on yeah. their YouTube. So then when we linked up, it just fucking blew up. What like, was the song called? What I Do. What I Do. And when did you put the, the video up on YouTube? 2011. And, like, how fast did it start to grow? Was it, like, overnight where you're like, whoa, shit, this is, yeah. like, going crazy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was going crazy. My homie just dropped the video. Mm-hmm. Like, a fucking dick. He didn't even tell me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He just fucking dropped it. 
And then everybody saw that, got word of it, and I woke up, and everybody was posting it, putting it up, and everything. Where were they posting it? Like, where where were interesting spots that you were seeing it at? That you maybe that you wouldn't have guessed where. It would uh, be? I guess like on certain, like I can't name like the blogs yeah, off yeah. the top of my head, yeah. but like I guess like certain blogs on Tumblr and stuff like that. Just, I was tripping the fuck out. I had no idea that it would blow the way it did. Yeah. 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 So, well, tell me about your MySpace days. Like, it's 2008 and you're rapping and MySpace is still the happening spot. Mm -hmm. And you say you're networking with, like, European people. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I was just looking for more producers and stuff like that. Like, I linked up with a lot of French producers. I linked up with this cat named More Sounds. He's, he's like, a crazy dude. Like, he lives, like, in a bandits. Like, he squats in Paris and shit. But oh, wow. he's a fucking amazing producer. And I was, like, working with him a lot. I worked with these two DJs, Def Switch and Tune Curtis. They, I worked with them a lot. And some uh, this other producer from uh, Hungary, his name is Broken Fingers, and I was working with his crew and everything. So pretty much just, like, doing a lot of networking with people overseas. Yeah. How many MySpace friends did you have? Shit, I can't remember. Guess. But I had a good amount. Guess. I don't know. I don't know, man. I know that you know. Don't I swear lie. I don't. don't lie. I don't know. I, re I remember how many MySpace friends I had when, my when MySpace died. Sure, I don't. I had like 6,500. <laughs> it wasn't nice. that much. It wasn't that much. Which is funny because that's like the amount of Twitter followers that I have now. Right, so right. I'm like, I'm like, I know that Twitter is about to die because I never break more than 6,500 on anything. No way. <laughs> I'm like, no, Twitter don't die. <laughs> no, but... Um, Twitter's a shit. No, I love Twitter. So uh, were you one of those girls on MySpace that had like um, glittery shit all over their page and stuff sometimes yeah mm -hmm. were you down with that yeah that's tight did you ever have spice girl pictures uh no but i had a spice girl picture as uh on my twitter nice yeah when you were putting stuff up on myspace or people were reacting to it uh mm -hmm. more than you thought or what yeah. yeah yeah for sure myspace definitely like helped me get a good like little fan base and then when myspace blew up i didn't know i mean fell off i didn't know what the fuck to do when facebook came on because i was like oh what the hell they don't have a stupid playlist blah, blah, blah. the transition from myspace to facebook was so uncomfortable mm -hmm. for musicians who had become used to myspace yeah yeah because i was like man there's no way that facebook will catch on as like a, exactly as a music promotional device because yeah, like yeah. it's just a bunch of words yeah i was like this is horrible yeah it took me forever to figure out how to like make a fan page and shit mm -hmm. like i was way late to the game and all that yeah stuff. i mean luckily i made like my Gavlin fan page early ahead of time just because I was just so pissed off about Facebook. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck it. If it works, it works. And the, the page has been going pretty well. Yeah, your your page is pretty blown up. That's mm -hmm. one I looked at. I was looking at like your metrics before we came in. You got like 90,000 Facebook likes. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. damn good. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that video blows up. What's your reaction like in the morning? Were you taken aback? Did you cry at all? Uh, no. Happy tears. I was just really taken back and super surprised. And then I also just kind of felt like kind of intimidated because like a lot of people that I've always liked and listened to were like reaching out. Like you know? who? Um, I don't know. Like Moko only reached out to me and like, you know, just a few other like local like artists and stuff like that that I respect and shit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I was just kind of intimidated for a second because I was like, okay, now I just kind of have to like show that I could do better than this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it just kind of set me back a little bit and, you know, the pressure definitely came on. Yeah. When you say it set you back, like you started second guessing yourself or what? Just a little bit. But that's just because the kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it, like the only reason why I was second guessing myself is just because like... I feel like now I have to show that I could actually fucking rap way better than what the fuck you see on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. 
I just feel like I had to show and prove a little bit more, even though the video is working well and people are like ready to see that from there. But that's like so old, like that song is so old, you know, so like, I don't know. The pressure was on in a sense when it comes to like showing these fuckers that I could actually rap, you know. Right, right. And as a woman, do you feel like there's more pressure to prove that you can actually rap? Uh, in a sense. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't really say that. People ask me that shit all the time. Oh, sorry. N- no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I would guess the only difference is, is like being a female rapper is like, I mean, the respect is the same. You know, if you rap and you could actually do it and shit like that, people will respect you for it. But the only difference is, is there's just people out there that are like, yeah, she could spit, you know, but yeah, you'll never catch me bumping a female in my car. Like, mm. that's just how some people are, you know what I mean? That's the only difference. Mm. Other than that, everything else is the same. Yeah, well, being that uh, the, you said the song, you made it in 2008 and the video came out in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I would imagine that stylistically you must have taken like a few huge creative leaps forward by that yeah. time. Yeah. So did you already have other stuff that you were sitting on where you're like, oh, I know that if I make a video for this, it'll do well as well? Yeah. How did the videos go after that? great yeah yeah they're like they're still like i don't know i guess them seeing uh, who like the people that saw what i do they just wanted to see what else i had to bring to the table yeah did you start putting stuff up on your own youtube channel did you have your own youtube channel i have my own youtube channel but i gotta clean it up a bit but yeah i put up a few things but not enough where do the videos live that are cracking for you they still live on organized threat yeah all of them yeah yeah so how long was it until you put out the video after that one blew up uh about like a few months later a few months later like after people see that video blowing up like are the vultures just kind of circling about like everybody wants to make videos for you all of a sudden and stuff like that yeah yeah like that yeah did you at that time like have to acquire management or anything like that at that time no i didn't get a manager until uh 2012 until 2012 yeah and so did hoppa help you out with that kind of stuff like picking out management or something like has he been uh since Broken Complex has helped you out and putting your stuff out, has he kind of like stepped in as a mentor role at all or just kind of been like, oh, I'm just going to put your music out? I mean, Hoppa helped me out, put out the album and stuff like that. But Hoppa is also so busy with the funk volume shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he just kind of already yeah, has a lot of stuff. Yeah, because he got on the Hobson train and yeah. started DJing for him and that shit's yeah. going really well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do have like goals like on working on an EP together and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that's it so far. I mean, he's helped me like, you know, like shot shows my way for when, it come, when I'm out in Europe and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that's about it. When you were putting your stuff on MySpace and you said you were playing a lot of shows, like what shows were you playing out here? Was it all kind of like, was it like uh, Chinky Eye Friday shows and shit like that? Yeah, I did a few Chinky Eye shows. Um, and besides, you know, obviously the Knitting Factory shit, you know, airliner shit. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Were you doing like um, Urban Underground? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's exactly like GG and all those people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was just doing a bunch of stuff like that or fucking Second Street Jazz Club or, you know, shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question that I'm going to have to word it sensitively okay. uh, so as to not offend people. Okay. Like the shows like Urban Underground and like, you know, a lot of Valley rappers and stuff like that. It's like a lot of them seem as if nothing great is really happening. And it's always kind of like this eternal opening act type of thing. Like you're, you know what I mean? You're always mm-hmm. kind of like the opening, opening, opener. Right. Um, there's a certain like aesthetic of rappers in the Valley and maybe like some stereotypes about them. Anyways, my point is that a lot of them seem eternally stuck, not naming yeah. names or anything like that. So right. running in that circle, like, do you ever feel like um, quiet jealousy from other people because they see your stuff doing so well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, there's definitely a lot of that around, like, you know what I mean? But 
at the same time, that's just due to just like anybody that wants to kill it. You know, if you're talented or have anything like, yeah. you could do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, there's a way to reach out of your circle. It's all on you. Explain you know I mean? the scene in the valley. The scene in the valley is kind of dead. I mean, it's really not that crazy. It's like kind of backpackery too. Yeah, like, but it's also just a bunch of fucking high school kids that are just in ciphers with their friends. Like, yeah, the valley scene's really not that crazy. There's only about like maybe three people that I know that actually made it out that bitch, which Ooh. is Romo and DJ Hopper and mm. myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? But other than that, like, no, the scene's pretty dead. Like, there is no real hip-hop scene in the Valley. Unless you go to North Hollywood, it'd be, and even that's, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But even the aesthetic of, like, the Valley, when I got here, it was always kind of like, um, I hope that nobody takes this as, like, fired shots, because I'm not trying to, like, fire shots at anybody. But it was always kind of like, okay, for example, like, when skinny jeans started cracking, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, the Valley rappers are the type of dudes to be like, fuck skinny jeans. I don't fuck with that shit. That's not hip-hop. But at the same time, they still fucking do the same shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's still bandwaggers. Like, again, I'm from the Valley, too. I'm not trying to knock anybody either, but, like... They're kind of late on shit. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to do anything, like, you got to go to downtown L.A. or out of the fucking valley. Because the valley is like the suburbs of Los Angeles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything kind of seems like a year and a half behind Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Did you, like, notice that while you were, like, embedded in that scene? Yeah. I mean, I started to notice it a little bit later. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely noticed that once I started to reach out of the valley, for sure. Yeah. And so, like, when you started reaching outside of the valley, what are some things that, like, you... Has moving to L.A. or being around, like, a more L.A.-centric scene rather than the Valley, has it opened your your mind to, like, new ideas or new things that you would want to do, you feel me? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely opened my eyes to different things just because, you know, in L.A., everybody wants to be a rapper or actor or whatever the fuck. It takes a lot to stick out. But when it comes to, like... I guess, promoting myself or an image or a certain style I might rap like. Yeah, it definitely opened up my mind to a lot of different things. Yeah, because I feel like uh, I used to live in Santa Barbara, but I would be coming down for shows like pretty much every weekend. And like we used to play at the Terrace and like Mm -hmm. the Knitting Factory as well. The Terrace is still (laughs) cracking. Second Street Jazz, all all that kind of shit back in the day. And um, as soon as I like got up and actually physically moved to LA rather than mm-hmm. just traveling here on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. It was like all of a sudden I learned so much more about like I just got so much more creative uh with like beat selection and with like rap styles and everything because it was like being engulfed in this whole new like scene, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. but even then it's kind of weird because the LA scene isn't like what it used to be. You know what I mean? Like back then it was like urban underground project blowed type shit you know what i mean now it's just a little bit different now that the trap scenes kind of get involved yeah it's a little bit different now yeah and you know underground rappers are trying to rap to trap and it's like the worst thing ever yeah so like you think so i mean some some underground rappers could do it some can't yeah. you know what i mean but you know it's definitely changed a lot when it comes to music yeah. So that's the thing. I still think of like the LA scene of kind of like being early adopters of the on beat, off beat thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of just the era that I moved down here to. Cause when I moved down here in like 07, like DiBiase was killing it. Right, and right. when DiBiase started killing it, and, like Dilla had just passed, like everybody started doing the fucking boom. Tick, yeah, yeah, boom, yeah, tick, yeah. You know, like kind of like on beat, off beat shit. Mm-hmm. And so I started rapping to that kind of shit. And that was like kind of the early low end theory stuff. And yeah, the trap stuff is new, and of, of course, it's gonna like it's gonna be here today, gone tomorrow, because that's how everything kind of is. Yeah. But, but you know what's crazy is like I don't know, like 
I kind of feel like different about it because like there's so many different things you could do with just trap drums and trap hi hats in general. Yeah, well, I mean the the you whole thing, I mean? the whole like quote unquote trap beats are nothing new. Like exactly, you know, sixteenth note hi hats have been and eight oh eights have been being used since the very very early nineties. Feel yeah, me? Yeah, like yeah. it's nothing new. It's just that it's new in that now hipsters like it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, because because yeah. here's the thing is that when the same beats were getting used by Cash Money and fucking No Limit back in, you know, the mid and early 90s, it was like people were going, oh, this, is, this isn't real hip hop. This isn't, you know, people were trying to listen to Anticon and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like yeah, the same yeah. people that used to listen to Anticon love Trap now. Uh, yeah. No shots at, uh, at Anticon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the video blows up. And um, you had already been building these connections with European people. And so when does the email come where it's like, hey, people in Europe fucking love you. We got to get you on a plane out here. Well, the email was uh, it was came from uh, Mike Sees. He's from Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And he hit me up and he asked if I was interested in doing a tour in Europe. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, you're always skeptical with somebody you don't fucking know that yeah, wants to fly you sure. in Europe. So. You know, I asked him to send me they a resume. They could have been selling you into fucking prostitution <laughs> exactly, ring or something. Exactly. So he sent me his resume and he's worked with a lot of people bigger than me. Like yeah. he's worked with like Buster Rhymes, Ludacris, 50 Cent, like all these crazy people. Yeah. But he was just trying to find an artist yeah. to like bring out on his own, like someone like that's brand new. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'd be very interested, you know, and we Skyped and uh, we talked about it. Did he have all his clothes on in Skype? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Because that would have been a surefire sign. Yeah, like, maybe, I would have been like, yo, and maybe this shit. is not legit. <laughs> yeah. So he asked me to send him. This is when I kind of felt like it was more legit. He asked me to send him about four songs and he was like, and I'm going to spit it out here. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, put a DJ or just spread it to different promoters and everything to see how you go out here. So that kind of made me feel more comfortable. He wasn't just trying to fucking fly me out there. He's like, let's see if you're doing any good out here to begin with. Mm -hmm. So he sent my music out to a bunch of people out there. And they're like, yeah, we've been trying to get a hold of her. Like, let's bring her out. And, and they're All in Switzerland? No, on all over Europe. Like where else? Uh, in Germany and France and... Um, Spain, Greece. That's so tight. So he's sending these four songs out to like DJs that he knows that have yeah DJs, promoters, you know the whole bit. Yeah, and uh, what's it called? Are they playing it on the on like um you know independent radio stations mm -hmm. out there and stuff? Yeah, definitely. Tight. Yeah. So uh yeah, and then that happened, and then in when did I leave? I left in January of what eleven two thousand eleven. Okay, because I spent New Year's out there. Oh okay. So, but um, so was that before the video dropped? Then it was after. It was right after. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a couple weeks after then. Yeah, no, that was pretty close. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, then, so the video had just blown up, and then all of a sudden, this whirlwind of shit happens, and a dude out in in Switzerland is like, "Hey, you're gonna come tour Europe." Yeah, he asked if I would be interested. Yeah. And then after he sent me the resume, we talked over it. Yeah, yeah. And he said a lot of people already wanted me out there. And, yeah. Uh, they've been trying to get a hold so of me. So where did he fly you in? Did he fly you into Switzerland? He flew me. My first uh, date was in... Yeah, it was in Switzerland. Yeah. Who did and you go out there with by yourself? I went there with uh, my homie uh, Poetic Death. He came with me. And he and was DJing for you? No, nah, he raps as well. He's oh, the okay. one who shoots all the videos and oh, stuff. Oh, okay. So we went out there. Who DJed for you guys then? Um, it was actually Mike Steves. He ready DJs and does his own thing. Oh, so. the Swiss dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then um, after that, we went out to Europe and it was this huge success. Every show sold out except for one. What capacity venues? Um, Some 500, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, all about like 500. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it was fucking insane. Yeah. Like, how? How? How did they know about you already? Just because he had sent some songs out to people. Yeah, and Damn. because the video was already going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What country would you say it's the biggest in? Like my music or just sure, the people yeah, out there? Yeah, sure. How about your music? Which country is your music biggest in? Um, I would have to say uh, Switzerland, Germany, and France. Wow, that's tight. Yeah. Yo, yeah, I talked to you about this in the car, but when I went to France as a kid, when I was 16, like I was super uh, astounded by like how, even back then, this was like 97, 98, uh-huh. Uh-huh. they had a huge hip hop scene. Yeah. It was right when, it was it must have been 97 because it was right when um, Wu-Tang Forever had come out. Yeah, yeah. And like they saw that I had like baggy jeans on. They're like, oh, you, you're like a uh, hip hop. And I'm like, yeah, man. And they're like, oh yeah, Wu-Tang Clan. And I'm like, yeah, swag. <laughs> no, <Exactly. laughs> but yeah. Yeah, they have like Paris is one of the biggest hip-hop scenes and like also too another reason why there's some tight french hip-hop too yeah yeah, yeah. and they like good beats. they have like a crazy ass like they have like one of the hoodiest places in europe yeah you know what i mean they literally call it the land where the man have no paper uh-huh. and it's like that's where all the hip-hop comes from uh-huh. like all the raw shit you know what i mean and so that's why paris is so big on it but yeah the, sh- the tour was a success and fucking got to see a lot of the world and then uh well, came so, back again. well let's keep talking about it because i'm so intrigued by it like okay. your video comes out and then fucking like a, it sounds like a month later you're selling out 500 cap venues like that's yeah. something that takes people in the states 10 years to do yeah, feel yeah, me yeah like uh what is that like tell me it's how does you it know, feel i didn't i didn't know what to expect like yeah. when i first came out there i was like oh shit what if nobody's at this fucking show and this is like a waste of time like i had and plus my first day there was actually no it was in Hamburg in Germany. Okay. And uh, what's it called? Uh, and I was just really nervous right when, I, right when I met up with them. They're like, yeah, show's already sold out. I was like, holy shit, really? Did you have other people playing with you? Um, yeah, there was no, just, just poetic Like lo- local openers? Uh, yeah, there was local openers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty cool, man. Like the first time. Did you see your face on flyers throughout the streets and shit? Yeah. What was that like? It was crazy, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to take that kind of shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me to take any kind of attention yeah so like why um i don't know because it auto- automatically makes me like because dad wasn't there yeah because daddy was i'm there. just kidding <laughs> but i mean i don't know it's just it's just how i am why are you shy sometimes i mean you seem kind of shy it took you a while to start giving me more than one word answers you feel me <laughs> yeah i could be yeah it makes me a little shy yeah and like it also just i don't know just not used to that kind of shit you know what i mean just i feel weird about it but it's also really amazing to see all these people like that really love my music yeah it's fucking heartwarming and it just makes like i don't know it's kind of hard to explain in words but it just definitely made me push a lot harder. Is it one of those things where, where the song with the video, when it comes on, like you people go fucking ape shit for, it. like this yeah. is the one we've been waiting yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, that's tight, man. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. The tightest show was in Paris, and it was on my birthday. Yeah, and at, throughout the whole trip, I was looking for a Crown Royal, mm-hmm. and they finally that was the only spot that had Crown Royal, and I got super fucking wasted and uh what's it called i came out and they sang happy birthday to me uh crown royal that's that uh classy hood shit yeah that, that's probably been your favorite drink since the throwing up on the towel event. yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. like the first show where it's like a 500 cap venue and it's sold out like do you walk up to the venue and people are recognizing you like oh my god is that her yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man that's so crazy it was fucking nuts yeah so uh what's it like after you're in Europe and you're touring and you're like kind of fucking hood famous and then you come back to the States and it's just like you're just Audrey again. <laughs> What's that like? 
It's cool, man. I mean, I still push. It makes me push harder to promote myself out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've definitely been making my connections. I've came back because I already know I got Europe on lock. So I'm pushing to do a summer tour out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Where are you trying to go? Um, I'm trying to hit fucking the Bay mm-hmm. at Santa Barbara or fucking San shout Francisco. Out, shout out to Velvet Jones. Yeah. You know, just all those kind of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have you been out to Europe since then? Uh, three times. Three times. And each mm-hmm. time you've toured for how long? The first one was like two and a half weeks. Second one, same thing, two and a half weeks. Third one, three fucking months. Three months? Yeah. You just have one person that you're touring with? Um, No. Like, uh, each time I always had someone with me. Yeah. And the third one, I actually had uh, a DJ and two MCs and um, my you, sister. Who'd you take? Shout them out. Uh, I had Poetic Death, Papa J, and DJ Dell Plates, and my sister, Olivia. Shout out to Olivia. <laughs> Damn, so you got to the point where it's like, yo, we're touring for three and a half months. I'm bringing an entourage. Yeah. Did you start like putting fancy shit on your rider? Like, I'm like, yo, I want a fucking all white room with yeah. <laughs> white roses and only green M&Ms. No way. I no? was just like, give me food, you know? <laughs> yeah. By the third time that you're touring Europe and you're doing it for three and a half months, did you learn any touring tricks? Uh, I guess pack light. Yeah. And, um... Always eat healthy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, you don't really get to have time to exercise. Uh, well, at that, that time, there was a lot of downtime. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately. I mean, the tour went well, but like there was like one month where we just didn't do shit. Oh. We, yeah. And that was like, it went well, but it was also due to poor planning. Yeah. You know what I mean? But well, what'd you do during that month? During that month, I did a lot of working out. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's it called? You know, I hung out with like friends. I Because I lived in Switzerland for like a month. I had my own apartment and everything. Oh, so you stayed in Switzerland the whole time? Just for that month, yes. Yeah. And then I, you know, recorded a lot and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more tricks of the trade. I know that you got them. I know that it's like, oh, you fucking, do you put like socks on your rider so you don't ever have to do laundry? <laughs> I'm like not, that? I'm not a snob when it comes to the rider. Just as long as you bring me my food and alcohol, we're good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Really? So yeah. pack light, how light? One bag? Yeah. What do you put in I the, mean like one like suitcase. What do you put in the bag? What do you have with you? How many, how many I put, outfits? I a lot, but I mean like. I say pack light now because I fucked up by packing too much. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I just bought, like, a bunch of underwear and a bunch of socks and uh, a bunch of hygiene shit. Yeah. And um, I brought, like, I don't know, certain things from the States that I can't find out there. Like what? Y- you know what I mean? Like, like Tums and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> hair wax. Yeah. You know, hairspray. Yeah. And all that bullshit. But, nice. yeah. Yeah, definitely pack light is important. Yeah. I, I always end up overpacking. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, how much merch do you take out with you? Um, I took a good amount. Like you I got had t-shirts like, and sweatshirts and all kinds of shit? Yeah, t-shirts, sweatshirts, CDs, and pins. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How does it do out there? It does pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. Pretty good. That's good. Talk to me about being shy. Why are you shy? Are you... Are you <laughs> Are you an introvert? No, I mean, I'm only shy sometimes, you know, but uh, I don't know. I guess it's, I've always been that way since a kid, you know? Yeah. I I don't know why. It's always been that way. Yeah. Yeah. Does being on stage help that? Yeah. I mean, on stage, I'm not shy at all. Really? Like, that's a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Yeah. Yeah. The only time, like, I'll do nervous things, like crack a stupid joke that nobody understands, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, that's about it. You Why? Know? What, what, what would make you do that? Just like an awkward moment of silence? Yeah. Or like, like between uh, tracks and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your stage banter like between tracks other than corny jokes? 
I'll be like, uh, I don't know, make the crowd chant something. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Or a, I'll just talk to them. There's a good general. question. Now that now that you're like becoming a seasoned road warrior, <laughs> touring a lot, do you find your whole set being somewhat choreographed, or do you kind of like wing it between songs every time? You know, through this last tour, I learned a lot doing like when it comes to stage work and stuff like yeah. that. So. Yeah, I definitely do a lot of jumping, a lot of running around and shit like that. Yeah. I throw water at people, right. throw shirts at people. Yeah. And shit like that. Well, see, like having toured with some people that, that are like super road warriors, like a, a lot of people, when they go to a show, they think they're seeing, they're thinking that everything is kind of spontaneous because maybe it feels spontaneous. But the truth be told is like pretty much when you're playing the same show for fucking 30 nights in a row, you do the same shit every show. Yeah. You just change the city's name. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, come on, Indianapolis. But, you know, I want it you to depends do this. on like where you're at. Like, cause there's been certain countries I went to that like weren't in the greatest conditions. Like when I went to, uh, Naples, it was, yeah. I went like to the hood in Naples yeah. and like, that was probably the most touching show I've ever been to in my life. Why? Because uh, the economy is not doing well out there. Yeah. And my ticket's worth uh, 30 euros uh-huh. a piece. And it sold out. That, so that's like 60 bucks. Yeah. Damn. And it sold out. And like these people, bear, like who knows what they make a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you could tell it was like really genuine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like when you go to certain places like that, you, you got to do your homework because they respect that kind of shit. Yeah. You know, and for that time, it was soccer season. Uh-huh. And like from time to time, like on, on this was a first tour. I would like to I liked to say things to them in their language. And so you would try to like learn some local lingo. Yeah. Yeah. And when I went up there, um, I said, Forsta Napolia. And I sang there's... Uh, their soccer anthem which was the right stripes and like pretty much you just stomp and go boom 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 and they were going fucking crazy and then after the show was over they sang to me oh what did they sing uh some italian song it was fucking crazy like i like that was just really touching and did that you, was the only you get a little, did you get a little misty eyed yeah a little bit yeah for yeah, sure for sure yeah that was like the most amazing experience i've ever had in my life yeah. and like i like i truly felt like i mean all these shows i appreciate all of them like they're all like a great part of my journey but that one in particular just because like none of these people don't have that much money yeah you know what i mean and like they actually spent their fucking money to see me yeah and they sang to me yeah and that was the only venue where i was able to walk around and fucking party with them Oh, tight. Yeah, so, like, they let me behind the bar, you know, like, the whole bit. It was really, really nice, and it was, like, in the hood spot. And it yeah. just, you know, you know, it took me back home a little bit. Yeah, yeah. What was the worst show out there? Oh. See, now people are going to get mad well, at me. Well, no, you don't have to name the city, but just tell me about the situation that made it the worst show. Okay, worst place. I mean, it wasn't... <sighs> fucking A. It wasn't the worst show. It was just... Fucking, I'm going to say it. When I went to Poland, <laughs> yeah. uh, fucking... <laughs> You know, they had these bum-ass dumplings and all that shit's good. But, you know, Poland was amazing. The show went good. But I just don't think the people, local people, wanted us there. Why? There's a lot of racism. Oh, so they didn't like you because you're brown? Yeah. Really? And I had, like, a black dude with me and two Hispanic dudes and another Hispanic chick. So it was all white people other than you guys? Yeah. And the craziest shit is we were taking the tram, right? To like, Because we're, like, you know, exploring the city and shit like that. And this guy sat in front of me. And he looked back to me and like all my friends and then he went up in front of this chick and he opened the window and he slammed it shut. So and then the window broke like it's like the glass shattered all over some chick. Yeah. And he turned around and looked at us and kind of shrugged his shoulders like what of it? And we're like, okay, you're fucking completely insane. Like, that's what, yeah, that's. Strange. And so <laughs> I changed seats with my manager. He sat in front of me. Yeah. And then right when he saw that, he walked out. Uh. And that was crazy. And like. 
you know. Um, That's scary. And we came into this restaurant to go sit down, but we came in talking like normal people do. Yeah. This chick turns around and goes, shh. Oh, and I was really? like, you fucking cunt. I'm not going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so you know, so that Pol- was so Poland, Pol- Poland needs to get a trip together race wise. Yeah, I mean, you know, but this like another thing that it was also pretty amazing to be there, too, because there's so much fucking history in Poland. Yeah. But I mean, the show was a success. The people were very loving. So the people everything. at the show were cool. Yeah. They're like, they're, they feel the vibe. It's yeah. just like. If you go walk around that neighborhood. Racist dudes on the tram. If that you're are not, not fucking it. white. Yeah. Kind of difficult. That's crazy. Wow. Any other good um, funny tour stories? Huh. Let's see. I would have to say, like, one of the craziest shit was uh, when we did this festival in Czech Republic on the last tour we just went to called Hip Hop Camp. And uh, Wait, the festival in the Czech Republic is called Hip Hop Camp? Yeah. That is so backpacker. <laughs> yeah. Hip Hop Camp, yep. And it's just, like, straight hip hop festival. Yeah. And it was cool, though, because Kendrick Lamar headlined and, oh, like, tight. got to, like, meet a lot of big people. Yeah. And uh, it was just funny because you see all these local L.A. rappers or California rappers like who? over here overseas. Like there was MERS, there was LP, oh, there yeah. was fucking Ari the Rugged Man, yeah, there was yeah. Kendrick, there was fucking lots of different people. Yeah. And they were all super cool. I mean, I didn't get to meet Kendrick because, you know, he's Kendrick, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure like MERS knows who you are. He's very up on shit. Right. Yeah. It was just crazy to see all these cats at us overseas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to be chilling, like, okay, like everybody's in a different mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what happens overseas, people don't know back home. Right. You know? Like, I feel like at um festivals in, in the States, there's probably a certain amount of competition or competitiveness i suppose yeah. uh maybe even a bit of like uh i guess what i'm saying is i would imagine when you when you see all those dudes like that over in europe there's probably more camaraderie because it's kind of like oh hey we're all americans here doing it yeah yeah yeah. it's not like it, you know at paid dues when you're backstage it's probably like oh fucking why is that person here like fuck that guy or this yeah, that and the other exactly, you feel me? exactly. Yeah. so it was a lot more humble but still a little bit different yeah the most crazy experience i had there fucking we we're chilling with ra and um what's it called he happened to sprain his ankle uh. so he's been performing in wheelchairs oh yeah and we're chilling with him and he's a super cool guy and he was like yo are you guys down to back me up because i can't just be rolling around this fucking wheelchair i need some help yeah i was like yeah sure like i'd love to do that this guy easily has like twenty thousand people in the crowd right so um it was me poetic death and yard bravo she's also like pretty big out there and also out here but what's it called that he was like, y'all are shameless, right? I was like, how shameless are we talking? And he was like, nothing sexual. I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so we went up there and he get, he had props. He had raw steaks. He had fucking frisbees and all this crazy shit. And he's like, I just need you guys to go fucking crazy. And like, Throw steaks at people? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so like, we fucking, uh, we practiced his set for like, just got a little good idea of what he wants us to back him up on. Uh-huh. And he wanted me and uh, Yara Bravo to do, like, the kid and play dance to one of his songs and yeah. shit. So we did that. And fucking, I was, like, throwing frisbees in the crowd. One of them, like, just went around, fucking hit this guy in the head, fucking throwing steaks in the crowd and throwing water in people's faces. And it was a huge fucking crowd. And we were just, like, running back and forth, like, going. I was like, that was the most active I've ever been on stage. Yeah. I just kept trying to run, like, you know, just trying to back him up because yeah. he's a crazy fucking performer. Yeah. So that shit was crazy. Yeah. What yeah. would have been great is if you're like, yeah, so I threw a steak out in the crowd and then somebody threw it back and it was fully cooked. <laughs> that would have been awesome. 
Oh, man. That would have been hilarious. Um, came back in like five seconds. Yeah. Makes no sense. So now that you're home, are you working on new music? Yeah. I'm actually working on my third album called Modest Confidence. Modest Confidence. What's it like? This one's a little bit different. It's a bit more personal. It's not me just rapping about rap like I usually do. Mm-hmm. And um, there's only about like four boom bap songs on there. The rest of them are all new age sounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a stepping stone to my transition of... Uh, this new thing I'm trying to do with myself. What is the new thing you're trying to do with yourself? I'm trying to stray away from the boom bap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will always love it. Like, I mean, people that have but heard But do you that... feel kind of confined by the boom bap? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, boom bap fans are fickle. Like, if you're not spitting that real shit, yeah. they don't like you no more. Yeah. And that can be scary. Yeah, it can right? be. Yeah. But you know what? I'm still young and I still got lots of time. Yeah. And, you know... Honestly, as as an artist, you got to fucking grow. You can't do the same shit for years. You know what I mean? And Boom Bad will always be a part of me. Like, I'll always do that shit from time to time. But I'm also just trying to challenge myself. You Are know? you tired of performing your old songs? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Which I always say is a sign of artistic growth. If you hate your old music, that means that you're getting better at your new music. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The new sound is what? A little more poppy? I want to say a little bit more poppy, but it's uh, the beats aren't like... The beats are a little bit more different. Like, they're... A l- like, see, I don't want to say trap because you don't not have trap, you don't have to say trap, but they, they well, have like you know trap drums and all that shit. You can just say they bang, they, yeah, they, they bang, they, you know, they knock, they knock and they know. bang. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but I'm saying if they are straying away from the boom bap, then mm-hmm. inherently they are more pop centric. Yeah, feel yeah. Me? I mean, I'm trying to push there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you want to write a hit. Yes. Do you want to write a hit? Yeah. You want to be on the radio, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? Right. Like a thing that a lot of people that are really loyal to boom bap music Mm -hmm. they say like um you know oh fuck that radio shit like that's not the real shit this that and the other like anybody could do that that's what i always hear boom bap people that's so not true right that's what i always hear backpack rappers going anybody could make that that shit's ignorant but i'll tell you i used to say that when i was like 16 yeah but i'll tell (laughs) you what like if anybody could write a song that 20 million people love then everybody would be a millionaire. You feel me? It's really, really, really hard to Very write hard. a pop song. Yeah, and that's yeah. Then that's why there's only like probably fucking, there's 20 people in the music industry that write probably 80% of the hit records. Mm-hmm. feel me? Like mm-hmm. for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like look at a dude like Dream, you know, yeah. who writes Umbrella and writes a dozen other fucking hits. Yeah, like, yeah. And then everybody wants him to write hits because that guy knows how to write hits because that's a really, really hard thing to so, do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's one thing I learned like through doing this album, even though it's like, it's just a stepping stone to like whatever I do after this is going to be completely different. But yeah, that's one thing I learned. I used to say the same shit when I was fucking hip hop fag. I would always be like, oh, fucking. Oh, we don't use, we don't use do- the F word on this podcast. Oh, uh, calm down. No, yeah, just right. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much that was, uh, and I started to realize that too when I started to change up my style a little bit. That is actually very hard to not be all super emo and rap about how you fucking feel. You yeah. know what I mean? Like to think outside of that is hard as fuck. Well, see, I like to rap emo, but also make it so catchy. Feel yeah, me? Yeah. Because guess what? Drake is an emo rapper. Yep. But that fool can write really catchy songs. Yes, and so can. that's the thing is that there's a delicate balance between being honest with yourself and also being accessible to an audience. And that's something that takes a long time to learn. And, yeah. you're, and you're young and you're going to fucking, you're going to learn that. You're going to figure it out. If you like to rap about your feelings, you'll, it's fine to rap about them. You just got to do it in an accessible way. And yeah. I'm sure you'll learn exactly. that along the way. Yeah. Yeah. For well, sure. 
I look forward to hearing your new music. Well, are you going to are you going to perform some new stuff for us tonight? Uh yes, I am. What is the song going to be called? Search and Destroy. Search and Destroy. So Gavlin, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for I, having yeah, me. I appreciate it. Before we get out of here, you tell me uh, or tell the people where to find you online. Uh you can find me on Facebook as just Gavlin G A V L Y N and on Instagram Gavlin with 3 Ns. With and, three N's? Yeah. Okay. And on Twitter, at Gavlin and shit. Gavlin and shit, one word? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever whatever, you say, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like punking me a little. You're like, yeah, that's what I said. Sorry. No, that's all right. Um, so yeah, young Gavlin, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Find her on Twitter. Just Google her. She's somebody where you can just yeah, Google, Google her. Yeah, Google me. Yeah, G-A-V-L-Y-N, right? Yeah, yeah, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah, just Google that and you'll find her. Uh, you can look up her music. And if you're in Europe, I'm sure you'll see her again soon. And uh, in the meantime, she's going to get it cracking in the States, I'm sure. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. And you can find me on Twitter at It's Intuition. You can find my man behind the boards making the shit sound buttery, Ben Shim, at I Am Database, space with two S's. Find us as a unit on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat, where you're going to see Gavelin perform. Yay! Search and destroy. Uh, you can find us on Facebook.com slash kind of neat and everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kind of neat.net. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming in. This was kind of neat. Yeah.